Hi, good morning. Um, Today's reading is taken from the Gospel of Mark, starting at chapter 15, verse 40. If you don't have a Bible with you, if you'd like to just raise your hand. No, I'm being... No, no, don't raise your hand. It's going to be on the screen behind me. Okay, so Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, starting at verse 40, which is page 1023 in the Church Bibles. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early, on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. funny way to end your book about Jesus, isn't it? <laughs> well, if you're going to write a book about Jesus, would you end there? Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. But I think what Mark is doing is saying, actually, that's what life is like. If you don't understand that Jesus is risen, if you don't believe the things I've been writing about, life's like that. Bewildered. Fearful. In fact, it's such a funny way to end your book about Jesus. A bit later, some people try to tidy up the ending by writing some extra bits that don't quite fit in. But I think that's what life will be like without the Lord Jesus Christ. A fearful life. Now, we can be afraid of all sorts of different things, can't we? I thought I'd ask uh, young people. Um, all the children have gone out, as you know. We just have young people left. So what are some of the things we're afraid of? What are we afraid of? Anyone afraid of anything? What do we get afraid of? Heights, yes. We get scared of heights. And 
Bees and wasps. I was going for a walk the other day, saw a couple of women with dogs. This big bee came along and they were suddenly, ah, it's a bee, it's a bee, it's huge. Okay. I was just manly, I walked on by. <laughs> what else? Small spaces, yeah, I hate caving. Actually, I've never been caving because I hate it so much. <laughs> just the concept of caving is frightening. So, yeah, yeah, go on. Finley, you're afraid of your brother. That's a nasty one because you've got to live with him. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty scared of Finley too, actually, but I don't have to live with him. There are all sorts of things we're afraid of. Here are, here are some of the things I think we're afraid of. Here's the first one. Snakes. You know, I, I've only ever touched a snake once. It was in a school auction. Life has changed a bit. So now PTAs, they tend to sell off cakes and things like that. Uh, when I was at school, we had an auction for a rugby tour. We sold off an eight-foot python. You can imagine, would you, would you like a ticket for the auction? You could win a bottle of Schler, Mrs. Jones's Victoria sponge, or an eight-foot python. Anyway, it's the only time I've touched a snake. Here's another one people are scared of. Spiders. Are you all scared of spiders here? I'm Spider-Man in our house. I'm not scared of spiders. You know, I get called upstairs. There's a spider, there's a spider, please come and get it. I had to do that last week. Up, grab a spider off the step. It did go up my sleeve. And I was like, hang <laughs> But I'm not scared of spiders. Here is one, like Karen, I'm terrified of. Heights. It actually doesn't have to be quite this high or to, for me to be scared. I can get scared looking up as well as looking down. When we go up for walks in the hills, when the kids were young, I like to think of myself as a bit of a Welsh mountain goat. The problem is I'm terrified on top of the mountains. I used to clutch my sort of five-year-old child's hand. Come on, darling, I'll look after you. Little did they realize they were looking after me. I'm terrified of heights. And uh, here's the last one. Maybe you're just scared of the dark. Yeah, dark on your own can be quite scary, can't it? Still the bedroom door a little bit open. Slightly embarrassed about that because you're 52 years old. Landing light on. Scared of the dark. Here are three things I think that most people are scared of. Firstly, the unknown. I think we're quite often frightened by the unknown. When we don't know what's going to happen next, maybe there's a surprise coming. Uh, maybe we've never been to the dentist before and we don't quite know what that's like, taking a kid to the dentist, know that, the unknown. Maybe it's going to be something nice or nasty. Maybe it's an uncertainty about our job. Will we get it? Will we keep it? The unknown. Here's the second one I think pretty much everyone is afraid of, being alone. It can be very hard to be on your own. See, when, when you're with someone else, things are just a little less scary when there's someone to talk to, someone to share them with. When you're, own, things, when you're on your own, things are much more frightening. It can be especially hard, can't it, when you're on your own, when you're old and on your own. Someone was telling me recently about how their, their 90-odd-year-old dad had fallen over and had to ring them up because he couldn't get off the floor. He was on his own. How are you going to get up? Here's the third thing people are afraid of, I think pretty universally, dying. People are frightened because they don't know when it's going to happen. They don't know what it's going to happen. And frankly, if you've not done it, you don't know what it's going to feel like. You see, we're not just frightened of dying ourselves, are we? We're frightened of people we love dying, people who we know dying. In other words, dying is about the unknown and being on your own. So it's doubly frightening. And I want to say this morning that those three things, the unknown, being on your own, and dying, are three fears that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ deals with. Three fears the resurrection of Jesus deals with. Because the uh, first followers of Jesus, they were pretty scared in our Bible reading. I wonder if you can see that down in Mark, 16, uh, Mark 15 and verse 40. We read this. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them was Mary Magdalene, 
Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. Can you see how much these women loved Jesus? They actually lived in Galilee, which was a long way to the north. And just to be with him, they'd walked all the way down, probably about 70, 80 miles, just to be with Jesus. But now he's dead. And there's no doubt that he's dead. The Roman officer in charge confirms to Pilate that he's dead. We saw that in verse 44. Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave his body to Joseph. Joseph was one of Jesus' friends. And we see what happens, verse 46. So Joseph bought some linen and cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. So these women, they go to bed on the Friday night not knowing what's going to happen the next day, thinking they're never going to see Jesus alive again. Very, very sad and very, very frightened. But everything changes on that first Easter Sunday morning. And the first thing that God says to us through this is, don't be afraid. Jesus is alive. Don't be afraid. Jesus is alive. Did you see the women go in chapter 16 and verse 1? When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they're on their way to the tomb. They want to put special perfume on Jesus' body. They haven't had an opportunity to do so on the Friday because the special Jewish day of rest, the Sabbath, had started. But now they come early on the Sunday morning, but they've got a problem. Can can you see what it is? It's in verse 3. There's that large stone. So they ask each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Now Mark wants us to be in no doubt, this is an enormous stone. I know it says Joseph put it in place, but it probably means Joseph and a number of his mates put it in this place. And when it says the stone has been rolled away, literally the word is the stone has been thrown away. It's as though this enormous stone has been exploded, burst out from the entrance of the tomb. So that this woman can have a look in. Something, something supernatural has happened to take this stone away so they can look in. And what do they see? We'll look down at verse 5. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Literally, they were terrified. They don't know where Jesus is. They haven't a clue who this young man is. They certainly don't think he's a a messenger from God, an angel, but he is. And look what he says. Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. You're not in the wrong place. This is the right tomb, the one you saw him laid in yesterday, the one that belonged to Jesus. Yes, the man from Nazareth, the one you watched crucified. But he's risen. He's alive again. He used to be here. This is his tomb, but he's gone. And you don't hang out in tombs if you're alive. 
See, Jesus had shown while he was alive that he was in charge of death. And there's a wonderful account. It's one of my favorite accounts back in, in Mark's Gospel in chapter 5 when uh, a grieving father, Jairus, is told that his little daughter is dead. And, and Jesus says to him, don't be afraid, just believe. Uh, it's a terrible thing to say to a dad unless you can do something about the, the, their daughter, isn't it? But, but Jesus goes and he goes into the, the child's bedroom. She's about 12 years old. She's lying down dead on the bed. The mourners are laughing at Jesus. What are you doing, mate? This is a, a corpse. And, and Mark records that Jesus says, Talitha come. Get up, little girl. And with that wonderful biblical understatement, Mark says, she sat up. Now, Jesus has authority over death, but, but this is different because Jesus has risen to be alive forever. This is resurrection life. It's what he actually promised his followers he would do. Now, people are very scared of death. The actor Woody Allen famously said, I'm not afraid of dying, I just don't want to be there when it happens. And that's the problem, isn't it? We all know we will die. There's nothing we can do about it. However fit we are, however much salad we eat, sooner or later, we will die. But Jesus has conquered death. He's the only man to have ever have conquered death. And because he's conquered death and risen to new life, that means he can give us life after death too. Yeah, that's why Christians talk about dying as going home. I've, I've sat with some Christians even this year who've in the process of dying talked about their desire to go home you know home is a place for us isn't it where we're looked after it's a place for most people where we feel loved where we feel safe home sweet home and if you trust in Jesus then dying means going to be home with him and one day he said that when he comes back to judge the world, all those who trust in him will rise as heroes to a glorious, permanent, forever resurrection life. How do they know that? How do I know that? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Therefore, he can take his followers through death. Now, you might be a young person here thinking, well, that's very nice. I'm only 9 or 10 or 11. I'm not 99. Why do I need to know that now? But the problem is that death comes at any stage. Uh, one of my uh, nephew's best mates, Alex, went on one of those sort of post-A-level experiences and holidays. He ended up whitewater rafting in Nepal. You know, those big inflatable rafts going down a glorious river. The problem was the raft flipped over. Uh, and most of the time, your buoyancy aid keeps you up and you just drift to the bank. But Alex was trapped under the raft with an instructor. The instructor had hold of uh, Alex's hand, but the currents were so strong that he couldn't hold on. He was being dragged away. This is an 18-year-old boy, and there was only one thing that was going to happen. He was going to drown. And age 18, he looked the instructor in the face and said, Don't worry, I'm ready to meet my God. And a few moments later, the instructor lost his grip. And that was the last time anyone saw Alex alive. You ready to die today? 
Because death doesn't mark a spot in the calendar for you in the future. Every day is a day to be ready to die. However old or however young we are. That's why it's fantastic that Jesus has conquered death. And it's not just good news for us who are here this morning. A few years ago, Pepsi in China had a bit of an advertising disaster. They were using this slogan across the world, come alive with the Pepsi generation. And they couldn't work out why it wasn't working in China until they found out that what they translated underneath, when you translated it literally back from the Chinese, was Pepsi brings your dead relatives back to life. (laughs) Well, sadly, Pepsi can't. But the thing is, Jesus can. That's why we need to tell our families and friends that Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead. doesn't matter if you're 89 or you're 18 or you're 8. You need an answer to death. We need an answer to our biggest fear. And the good news is, Jesus has proven he is the answer by rising from the dead. But Jesus doesn't deal just with our fear of death. You see, he promises to be with us in life as well. Here's the second thing. It's this. Don't be afraid. Jesus goes before you. That's what the angel tells the women next. Do you see that down in verse 7? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him just as he told you. Go tell his disciples and Peter. If you know the story, you'll know Peter's the the one who denied Jesus three times during his trial, who denied him as Jesus said he would. Peter, who must have been feeling wretchedly guilty and condemned. But now the angel has a special message for Peter. Go tell your disciples, and you, Peter, you as well. I want you. I've forgiven you. I died for you. Go tell them that I'm going with them to be with them in Galilee. There are always things, aren't there, that are more scary when you're on your own. I have to confess it was uh, only around about the age of 35 that I became happy sleeping in the dark in the house on my own. (laughs) You know that feeling when you're own in the dark, you're walking down a quiet street maybe? I would still have that. Walking down a quiet street back from somewhere in the middle of the night and, and you think you're being followed or every shadow is someone just about to jump out on you. Every noise is something coming to get you. But when you're with someone, when you're you're chatting away to someone, well, it's much less scary. Imagine that, say, you're walking home with Superman. You wouldn't be scared, would you, if you're walking home with Superman? You know, however dark the street, you'd be like, hey, I'm walking home with Superman. (laughs) You know, you almost want to come and get me. (laughs) Meet my mate. Well, Jesus isn't just the most loving person ever to have lived. He's the most powerful person to have ever lived. His life demonstrated that. And now he says, I am going before you into Galilee to his followers. And what he does is, after he goes to his Father in heaven, he promises his disciples, I'm always going to be with you by the power of my Holy Spirit who will dwell in you. He says at the end of Matthew's Gospel, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now that's great news, isn't it? You're never on your own. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are never on your own. We find life in this world hard. Actually, following Jesus can be very hard. Sometimes it means that people don't want to be your friends. 
These, these first followers, Jesus, they're afraid because the authorities have just had Jesus killed. What's going to happen to them? But Jesus' angel says, don't be afraid. He goes before you. You see, Christianity, if you're not yet a Christian here this morning, it's not about a sort of relationship with some sort of distant God you can't know or a dead God who can't do anything to help you. It's with the living God who in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, first came to live among us and now has risen to life and promises to be with us wherever we are. Not as some sort of terrified companion bringing up the rear, but going before us as an all-powerful captain that he is. So if you're a, a, a kid here still at school, Jesus goes before you. It's such okay to stand up for Jesus at school. He's always there with you. And if you're a teenager and you're going to that party and you're thinking, I, I would like to try and live differently for Jesus, but I'm going to be under enormous pressure to do things he wouldn't want me to do, well, Jesus goes before you. He's always with you there. And adults, when you go to, to work for that, that tricky meeting, Jesus goes before you. Or maybe you're in the playground and you, you want to ask that other mum to do word one-to-one, to look at John's account of Jesus' life with you, and you're frightened. Well, Jesus has gone before you. He's with you. Or maybe when you go to that hospital appointment and you just don't know what the answer is going to be. Well, Jesus goes before you. He's with you wherever you are. So you don't need to be afraid. But there's a third reason we don't need to be afraid from this passage. You see, don't be afraid. Jesus is alive. Don't be afraid, says the angel. Jesus goes before you. Lastly, don't be afraid. Jesus' words are true. Did you see that in the last bit of verse 7? There you will see him just as he told you. Now, I know, I know, what do you like at predictions? Are you any good at predictions? I, um, I'm sometimes quite good at guessing what's going to happen in a TV show or a film next. My wife loves it when I tell her 10 minutes into the program who did it and why. By the way, it's always the least likely character. It's quite easy to work out. Or, or I say, oh, someone's just about to jump out. And they do. It's always when, you know, when nothing really is happening and the music gets a bit tense. Someone's just about to jump out, Always. But when it comes to predicting what really is going to happen in life, I'm as useless as the next person. And as we've been looking at Mark's gospel, actually we've been doing it in our life groups, our small groups week by week, we've seen over the last few weeks, Jesus has predicted his death and resurrection again. And again. And again. So back in Mark 8, 31, we read this. Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, teaches the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Mark 9.31, he said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise again. Mark 10.33, we're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests, the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise again. No one else has ever done that. No one else has predicted their death and resurrection and then proceeded to die in exactly that way and be raised again. You see, we can trust Jesus because we can trust his words. 
what he says always happens. It's not madness to base your life on what Jesus says. It's actually the only sensible thing to do. See, I think one of the most frightening things is not knowing what the future holds. I mean, how much time have you spent recently in a state of worry about something that you don't know which way it's going to go in the future, only to discover it was only okay, it was all all right in the end? But you've spent days worrying about it. How many days do we ruin stressing out about something that's going to happen tomorrow, or the next day, or the day after? Adults, we're always frightened about things we don't know. Will I I have enough work? Will it pay enough between now and the end of the year? Will I be able to cope in this job for another 25 years? What will the doctor say when we sit down opposite the other side of the desk? There's so much we don't know. So much we have no control over. But Jesus has actually told us everything we need to know. Everything he says comes true. So when he says that he's come to to die as a ransom for many so that we can be restored to relationship with God, we can be forgiven the way that we've rejected God and hurt other people and enjoy that relationship of permanent love forever, do you believe him? When he says that life is very short and eternity is a very, very long time, do, do you believe him? When he says there is a heaven and there is a hell and he makes the difference, do do you believe him? When he says he's going to return, as he does in Mark 13, and on that day judge the heavens and the earth and bring in a glorious new creation, where resurrection life will be poured out on everyone who trusts him and upon the whole world so that it be renewed forever, do, do we believe him? Jesus' words are true. Why do we know it? Because he's risen from the dead. We can trust him. So what are you going to do with your fears? Your fear of death. Your fear of being on your own. Your fear of the unknown future. Look what these women do. We started with in verse 8. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. They're shaking because they're so frightened. They don't understand, so they run away. And if you don't believe that Jesus has risen, that Jesus is alive, can I tell you, you should be afraid. Life is scary. One day you're going to die. You ain't got no answer to it. If you're on your own, you genuinely are on your own. And you haven't got a clue what's coming in the future because you don't believe what Jesus says. I'd be afraid if I were you. It's a very scary world without Jesus. But you weren't made to live like that. You weren't made to be consumed by your fears. You weren't made to spend life worried and anxious and fearful. The God who made you so wants you to be secure in a relationship with him. He sent his one and only son to be butchered on the cross and then rise again so that you might know him. So that you don't have to be afraid of death. And you don't have to be afraid of being on your own. And you don't have to be afraid of an unknown future. Because he's died your death and risen to prove that dying is going home to be with him. He's promised to be with you every moment of every day and go before you wherever you are. And he says your future is one of glorious certainty. Not because of who you are or what you do, but because of who he is and what he's done for you. So will you trust him? 
Maybe, maybe you're like me, you're a follower of Jesus already. But you're a bit of a flapper. I'm a bit of a flapper. And I've just been thinking, why, why is that? Well, it's because I, I'm just not taking my fears to him. I'm not, I'm not rejoicing in my relationship with him. I'm not spending time listening to him. It's, it's, like, it's like having any relationship, isn't it? With someone you know cares for you and loves you and looks after you. If, you. if you don't really spend any time with them, if you ignore them, funnily enough, that relationship feels a bit cold and distant. But perhaps this Easter Sunday, all you need to do is rejoice more in what Jesus has already promised you. Spend some time today thinking about what he has done for you. Thank him that he is with you. Stick your nose into his word and see the promises he's made for your future. Rejoice. You know the risen Lord Jesus who takes away your fears. Seek him. But, but maybe you're here and, and you know your life doesn't have Jesus at its heart. He's not the captain of your soul, the king of all your days. And, and fear is. Well, will you, will you turn to him? See, Mark starts his account of Jesus' life by calling people through the words of Jesus to repent and believe. In other words, turn from, from your own life where you run it and you reject God, a life dominated by fear. Turn and repent of that and come to believe in Jesus, the one who's come to deal with all your fears, to restore you to a relationship with God forever. Will you turn to him? Or will you run away? And still have to deal with your own fears. So as I finish, there's just a couple of things that I'd love you to think about doing. The first is this. We've got a, a couple of bits of literature at the back on a stand there. One is Mark's account of Jesus' life. Why not pick a, up an account of Jesus' life? And after your roast lamb, I hope it's, it's Easter time. I hope you've got some roast lamb for lunch. Or if you're a vegetarian, a nice lamby nut roast. Um, take a copy of uh, Mark's gospel and read it. Take you an hour and a half this afternoon. Why not, why not read of, of Jesus' life? Or, or a, a little booklet that says the real Easter. Why not read it and see, is this a man who could uh, deal with my fears? Is this truly the Son of God risen from the dead? Secondly, you might want to consider coming to ask your, your questions. Questions about the reality of the resurrection. Questions about why Jesus deals with our fears. Questions about what, what he did in his life. And we're running a course starting on April the 30th. Anyone can come along. It's called The King and I, looking at Matthew's account of Jesus' life. Why not, why not come along? It's no cost. And if after the first evening you think that's the worst experience of my life, you never have to turn up again. But why not come and ask your questions about the person of Jesus? And lastly... I'm going to be sitting down around here at the front at the end. I'd love to talk to you. If you want to come and ask me about why Jesus is so precious, the risen, the living Lord Jesus, the one who's dealt with our death, who promises to be with us, and who's secured our future. If you want to come and know him today, do come and talk to me afterwards. Let's pray together. Loving Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we praise you that you are risen and alive and ruling today. 
Thank you, therefore, we don't need to fear death. Oh, death is an enemy, Lord. Death brings misery and sadness. But it's not the end, because you're alive. I thank you, Lord, that we don't need to fear life, because you rule and you promise always to go before us and to be with us. And we don't need to fear the future, because everything you've said, you've proven, And you always bring to pass, and therefore we can trust you with our future. Please help us to rejoice in you today, risen Lord Jesus Christ, for your name's sake. Amen.